0: Number 2. We've been here now in Ephesians for a while. We started, I believe, in July or August. The months all run together, and we're going through the book of Ephesians. Last week we had our revival meetings, and I thank the Lord for Brother Joe Mark being here with us and uh, the meetings that we had Sunday through Wednesday. Today I want us to look at the scripture here, and we're going to continue here in the book of Ephesians. It's such a rich book, so much good stuff. I want you to see some things this morning that will be a blessing to your heart and also be a challenge to us as we go through We've been, as we go through here, you look at our world. Our world is a world of differences. People have different opinions. We live in a world where there's a lot of political differences. And uh, we live in a world where there's a lot of social differences. And people have different opinions and different thoughts and all of these different things. And, uh, and for me, my thoughts, you know, my opinions are the right ones. Their opinions are not the right ones. You know, that's just how it, how it is. And, uh, but when it comes to biblical opinion, It isn't biblical opinion, it's Bible truth. You know, our world has its opinion on homosexuality, and the Bible has what it says about it, Bible truth, and the Bible's what's right. This world has an opinion, our country has an opinion on abortion. The Bible has truth about abortion and where we stand as Christians. And we could go through a list of a lot of different things, but differences cause division. It's just the way it is. You could have that in a home. You have difference. a husband and wife have their differences. Those differences could cause division. You say, well, what are the differences? You have a man and you have a woman. That's enough said right there. <laughs> you know, you hear people say irreconcilable differences is why they get divorced. That's not an excuse because that's just how it is. There are differences that will never change. You know, the way she uses the toothpaste is going to be different than the way I use the toothpaste. And uh, the way I put the toilet paper might be different than how she does. But my way's right and she's got to learn, you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's taught me, I'm learning, I'm learning. I'm getting those things figured out. But when we look at this, we see these verses. We looked at last, or two weeks ago, we saw some of the differences between the Jews and the Gentiles, and that's what this all circles around right here. And we're told in chapter number two from verse one through 12 about the richness of our past and um, our lost condition. And Paul tells us in verse, look at verse 13 again. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. When we talk about this and we get to this passage here, I want you to understand something. As we get through the end of the chapter here, this is talking about the church here, the local body. This is talking to them there in Ephesus. And thank God for Jesus' blood and what it has done for us. See, those of us who are far off, you say, who are they? The Gentiles. And guess what? If you're not a Jew, you are a Gentile. And praise God that salvation is not just for Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles this morning. Issues back in those days, when it came to these things, we have prejudice issues in our world today. People judge people based on the color of their skin. And in God's eyes, it's wrong. It's wrong. There should be no prejudice. You shouldn't look Oh, well, they're poor and I'm. No, everyone, the Lord, it's, the ground's level at the cross. Doesn't matter if you're a poor bus kid in Chicago or if you lived in Beverly Hills and Spoiled Brat in a house over there. The ground's all level. Society might say there's different levels of different things, but the Lord said there is no difference. And that's what we're looking at this morning, and we'll dive in here and see some things. You see the two groups that he's dealing with, he talks about here, he's talking about in the body of Christ, it's made up of both redeemed Jews and redeemed Gentiles. And for some, that was hard for them to get past. You see there in verse number 11, wherefore remember that being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, that's the Jews, Gentiles, the thing there, and we've talked about the differences a couple weeks ago there. In this passage, Paul teaches us that in Jesus there is no more Jew or Gentile. There's only Jesus and those who believe in him. You really could break down this world into two groups of people. Are you ready? Believers and unbelievers. That's how you could break it down. And today I want us to look and see what Jesus did and see this passage and see how verse 14, it says he is our peace. Do you realize this world does not know what peace is? Why? Because of opinions, differences, and divisions that are caused. So let's look today and see how Jesus is our peace. Number one, what did he destroy? What did Jesus destroy? Paul tells us in this passage what he destroyed. But you see, before he gets into it, the first thing he says, for he, that's Jesus Christ, he is our peace, who hath made both one and has broken down the middle wall partition between us. The Bible calls, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet, he spoke of the coming Christ, and they called him the Prince of Peace. Paul says that Jesus, he's our peace. He's the one, he's the ground of peace for both the Jews and the Gentiles. In other words, the Jews could never get peace with God through their rituals, through their sacrifices, Through their attempts of keeping the law regardless of what they did they would still be sinners because once you offend in one part of the law you're an offender of the law but on the same token on the other side of it the gentiles had no way to approach god so they had no hope of peace from any of their means and what the bible is telling us here is what the law couldn't do what sacrifices couldn't do what works of the flesh could not do jesus accomplished when he died on the cross We're told that he hath broken down that middle wall of partition. That phrase broken down means to dissolve something coherent into parts to destroy. In Jesus, when he died, he broke down and there are some things that came to an abrupt end. Notice what he destroyed when he died, letter A. He destroyed a social wall. Many commentaries I've read, and you've got to be careful, commentaries, they're man's opinions, okay? Just remember that. I don't take a commentary as Bible because you can pick up another commentary and it's going to say something different. Commentaries sometimes are a good thing, but a lot of times they're not very good. And uh, be very careful with those things. A lot of people say that this was the middle wall of partition was just referring to the law. And maybe it was, but I think verse 15 is referring to the law, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes. So it says he destroyed, it said, the middle wall of Partition. And this refers to the wall that stood between the court of the Gentiles and the court of Israel in the ancient temple. Now, I know our screens are not huge and you can't see the pictures Great, but I have a couple pictures for you to see. First, kind of look there. You have the outs, more to the outside of the temple. That was the court of the Gentiles. And there was a wall, a middle wall there, that separated between the Jews and the Gentiles inside the ancient temple. And that was the middle wall a partition is what it was and there were openings where you could, a Jew could go in, but basically the gist of it was the Holy of Holies, all that of God was on the inside. They were able to be near, the Jews. The Gentiles were afar off. Isn't that what the Bible also says right here? Look at the next picture. I might make it a little clearer for you. Can I see that wall a little bit better? Now, this picture is not from you. This is a drawing to kind of give you an idea of it. Just don't, oh, Pastor got an old pit down there. Probably didn't have pictures back in those days. You I know, can't believe everything on the internet. Just remember that. Abraham Lincoln said that. Um, <laughs> some of you tonight will get that, okay? So you see there, you see the wall that separated the two. They've, archaeologists have actually taken and found one of the signs that were hung over the, or to the side of the openings. And here's a picture of what it look, what kind of looked like. And all of you can read what that says, right? Yeah? Yeah? Alright, this is what it says. No foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary or an enclosure. And when he was caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. The Jews did not want any Gentiles on their side of that wall. The Gentiles were supposed to stay out. So look at what the verse says. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. That sign, that, I, that sign right there symbolizes the division between the Jews and the Gentiles. But I want you to notice a couple of verses in what the Bible has to say. Colossians 3, verse number 11, the Bible tells us this. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Galatians 3, 28, the Bible also tells us there is neither Jew nor Greek, There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. Now this doesn't mean that we lose our nationality, we lose our religious, social, and sexual identities. That's not what it's saying here. It's not, oh, they're getting it right by putting on your driver's license. I'm not male or... No, 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 no. That's not at all what's being said here. I was asked when I I was getting ready to do my real ID license. Like, what, are you male, female, or... Was it non-binary, they said? I said, non-binary, what's that? And then they explained it to me. I said, what do I look like? I look like a man. I'm male, there you go. There's only two. And uh, she gave me a weird look when I said that, but that's not what this is talking about here. What this is saying is, it simply means that no person has any advantage over anyone else when it comes to Christ. We're all, when we're, we're all one in him, the ground's level. It doesn't matter if you were Jew or Greek. doesn't matter if you were, and you think about those things, man, that wall. That wall meant something to those Jews. And Jesus said that wall means nothing. Jesus died so that wall of separation could be gone. And he didn't come so that separation between the Jews and the Gentiles could be broken. He came to get rid of the wall that separated man from God. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, jumping ahead of myself. We see letter A. We see you destroyed a social wall. Letter B. We see you destroyed a spiritual wall. Look at verse number 15. It says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. We see he destroyed a spiritual wall. Look at what it says there, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. The enmity, that word means hostility. The source of the enmity between the Jews and the Gentiles, what was it? It was the law. It says right there, it rested in the law of commandments contained in the ordinances. The Jews despised the Gentiles because they dishonored and disregarded the law of God. The Gentiles despised the Jews because they sought to keep the law. And the Jews, with their strict adherence to it, their dietary laws, their laws of dress, their laws of governing, all these different things, what happened was that the Gentiles who were on the outside did as they pleased. The Jews tried to live a certain way and it didn't make people happy. As a Christian today, we're supposed to not be like this world, right? Sometimes people don't like that. You think about how kind of compare the comparisons just a little bit right there in those things. But what I want you to understand is while there's great hostility between the two, between the Jews and Gentiles, between all kinds of people, I want you to understand something, regardless of it, all men were sinners. Yes, the Jews tried to keep the law, and yes, the Gentiles, for the most part, didn't care about the law. But when you offend once in the law, the Bible's very clear, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All There is none righteous, no, not one. The wages of sin is death. And this is what the Jews never considered and what the Gentiles never knew. Galatians 3, verse number 10 says, For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in the things which are written in the books of the law to do them. When Jesus died on the cross, he tore down those walls, those spiritual walls between the lost sinner and a holy God, and Jesus Christ can take a sinner that's a Jew and a sinner that's a Gentile, and then come to him by faith and get saved. Is that my phone? My phone's listening. Hey, if Surrey's listening this... Sealed and put away it had to be the Raider Cup. It's the weirdest thing that's ever happened. I've never had anything like I've never had anything like that ever happen before. Suri was listening, but then she couldn't help me with that. See, at least with Jesus, He's listening and He can help you. See, spiritual application there. I don't even know what I was saying. I'm All right, just get rid of that Raider thing completely. That's the only thing that's different than any other Sundays, that Raider tie clip. So we just put it away. It's gone now. Don't tell Eddie I took it off, okay? Just leave that. That's just between us. I'll have it back on this afternoon for him. Where do you go after that happens? That verse is a good one, but we already went there. I'm trying, I'm trying to get my thoughts back. It happens. Hey, you get up and preach in front of people and you can lose your thoughts. It happens. And uh, there weren't a lot of thoughts in here to begin with, so it doesn't help me. But what I was saying is he tore down those walls between the Jews and Gentiles, and he tore them down to where an unsaved Jew, an unsaved Gentile, they can come by faith to Jesus Christ. And both of them have access to God. Praise God for that this morning. In Christ, those things disappear. When we're in Christ, we're made right with God apart from the deeds of the law, and we're made right with one another. That's one of the reasons why God wants his people to get along. You know, we, we fight so much with God's people. And in the church, there's so many divisions and so many little things that come up. That's why Jesus said, this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. See, Christ's supposed to bring, and you know, I can guarantee you this, in this room, we have a lot of people with lots of different opinions. And a lot of people that have their opinions think that their opinion is right. We can't let our opinions divide us. You know, there are Bible principles that can divide. I get that. But there are a lot of things that we get divided on that's not Bible, it's just us. And God's people should be, there should be unity. Isn't that a good word? Imagine what could get done in churches today if we equipped quit fighting with one another and fought the real enemy. Think about that one for a minute. The real enemy, he gets us to be divided in here. He, let's go out and let's go punch the devil in the face. Think about that. Paul says that Christ abolished in his flesh the enmity. the word abolished means to render an operative, to derive a force or power. In other words, the law of God, think about this, Jesus fulfilled it. And that's why the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse number 4, Scripture says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth." You say, well, how did that take place? Well, through his death. Jesus, he made the law, he rendered it inoperative, and it holds no claim over us. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 7, and the verse is there, What shall we then say? Is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I know not sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet, verse number 8. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me a manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. You see, today, and what I want you to understand something is, the whole purpose of the law is to expose our sin. That's what the law is there for. A lot of people believed the law was there so we could keep to get to heaven. Oh, the law pointed us and showed us the fact that we needed a Savior. It was as we're going to look at now, if you look at um, Galatians 3, verse 23, look at what it says here. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Verse number 24. Wherefore, look at this. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that, faith has come. We are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And what you see there in that verse is the fact the law served as a teacher for us of the fact that we needed a Savior. That's the purpose of the law. And the Jews, they didn't understand that. The Gentiles didn't understand the opposite side of it. And that's what the purpose of the law was. And you think about it. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans six verse fourteen, for sin shall not have dominion under, over you, if you are not under the law, but what? Under grace. Under grace. Yesterday marked thirty years since um, well, nineteen sixty one is when East the Germans build a wall around West Berlin. Yesterday was thirty years since that wall was started coming down. Any of you ever remember? I was only four years old at the time, so I I really don't remember. How many of you remember watching on television and seeing the people crossing both sides after that time was over? Picture that. That's what it was like what Jesus did. He knocked down that wall of partition between the Jews and the Gentiles and to where where the Gentiles could get access to God. That separation was taken down, and you would see... And uh, and you'd see families that hadn't seen each other in years. That you try to cross that wall in Berlin, you would die. They would shoot. They would try to kill you. Where that wall gets, and you see families hugging and the things that would take place. And that's a small glimpse of what Paul's trying to teach us. What took place when Jesus died for us? You see, when Jesus broke down the walls between the Jews and the Gentiles, he made it possible for longtime enemies to be brought together as friends. He made it possible for a lost, wretched sinner to be embraced by God. He, met, he made reconciliation possible for every person. We see what Jesus destroyed, Then number two, what Jesus did. Paul, having told us what Jesus destroyed, Paul now tells us how he did it and what he did for us in that. What did, you look there, look at verse number 16. It says that he might reconcile both God in one, in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. You see the word letter A, we see accomplished. What do you accomplish? He accomplish our reconciliation. The word reconcile means to bring to a state of harmony. The Lord Jesus in his death destroyed the wall of separation that stood between the Jews and Gentiles and between God and man. He was able to take all parties and bring them together in himself into harmony he brought man together with man and he brought man together with god the ultimate goal as i said before was not so man and man could be reconciled together it was so that man could be reconciled to god his goal was to take the lost hell-bound sinners and make them one with god and himself and that's what he accomplished when he died he accomplished our reconciliation letter b he accomplished our redemption see the rest of that verse there it says having slain the enmity thereby jesus did all this when he gave himself as the perfect sacrifice on the cross for us the word slain means to kill or to utterly abolish jesus christ died on the cross and he delivered us and those who believe in him from the power of the law and the penalty of sin you say well how did he do that number one by becoming subject to the law bible tells us in galatians chapter number four verse four and five but when the fullness of time was come god sent forth his son made of a woman now look at the last last four words of verse four made under the law to redeem them that were under the law think about this the fact that god jesus christ he's god right i think we would all agree with that you better agree on that if you don't have that one figured out you need some help this morning but in order to redeem us he made himself under the law. Process that one. How else? By bearing the penalty of the law. By bearing its penalty, number two. Bible tells us, Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. What is the, cur- what is the, the wages of sin is what? Death. Jesus Christ was, he became subject to the law and then he bore the penalty of it, death. Did he ever break the law? No. But he took our place, he took our penalty. And then number three, he did it by offering himself in the place of the sinners. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 is all about. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Praise God. That's what he did and what it cost him to do what he did. He reconciled us, he redeemed us, and it cost Christ everything for us. What did Jesus destroy? That wall of separation. Think about when he died on the cross, the temple veil was torn in two. What did Jesus do? He reconciled us. He's redeemed us. Which leads us to number three and lastly this morning. What Jesus delivered. Look at verse number 17 and 18. We'll be done here in a few minutes. Don't get too comfortable. I say that just to keep your attention a few minutes longer. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. See, what did he deliver to us, letter A? He delivered a message of peace. The word peace appears in these verses that we've looked at this morning three times. When the word peace appears in that, those few verses several times, it's a subject that the Lord's trying to get us to pick up on. I think it's, it's kind of being repeated there. Peace. Peace between people speaks of harmony unity and concord and that's what Jesus did for the Jews and the Gentiles but in verse 17 here it's not talking about the peace between a Jew and a Gentile it's talking about the peace between God and man the word preached here is the, the same word that's often translated in this in the New Testament gospel It is literally the good news. Paul is telling us here that the Lord Jesus secured peace with God through his death on the cross and that he has gone out to both the Jews and Gentiles declaring the good news that they both can be saved from their sins. And that good news still saves today, the gospel. We need the gospel. And those who come to Jesus Christ will always find a willing Savior. Praise God for that. Delivered a message of peace, letter B. He delivered a message of permission. For through him, verse 18, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. The word access means the act of moving to or to bring to. In other words, when we come to Jesus Christ by faith, we're placed in a position of being brought to God. The word access is only used three times in the New Testament. In that verse we just read it's also used in Romans chapter 5, verse number 2. The Bible says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And then in Ephesians 3, verse number 12 is the other time it's used. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Each time it's used, it refers to a believer's access to God. It has to do with and refers to a court official who is responsible for introducing people to a monarch. That person controlled access to the king. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The book of Isaiah talked about the fact that our sins have separated us from God. When Jesus died on the cross, he tore that wall down. He reached out and claimed us and brought us to God. I'll give you a quick illustration. We'll be done here in just a minute this morning. Many years ago in England, there was a young boy by the name of William. He stood at the gate of Buckingham Palace. He stood there for most of the day wanting to see the king of England. He didn't really want to ask the king for anything. He just wanted to meet the king. But in order for William to meet the king, there were several obstacles that were in the way. First off, there was a wall around the palace. There were gates and the guards. Then there were policemen who stood close by. All those things kept William from getting to the king. After a while, a policeman told William it's time for him to leave and to go home. And William pleaded to be allowed to see the king. And the policeman said, it's impossible. William, you will not see the king today. About that time, the policeman snapped to attention, and the gate swung open. And a young man walked past the policeman and took William by the hand, and together they walked through the gate. The young stranger showed William all the highlights of the palace. After a while, they came to a door and walked in. William could not believe his eyes. There, right before him, was the King of England. The young stranger said, Father, I have here a young boy who wants to meet you. Meet my friend William. William, meet the king. William didn't know, but his new friend was Edward, the prince of Wales. And by meeting the son, William had access to the father. That's exactly what this passage of Scripture is talking about. The only way we have access is through Jesus Christ. And he welcomes us And that's why as a saved believer we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus did to bring us to the Father? I praise him for that. And he should be praised by all of us for it. This morning as we close, a couple of thoughts. Number one, are you saved? Salvation is your works can't get you, can't break down that wall for you, can't solve anything. Your baptism, nothing, nothing can get you to God except Jesus Christ. He's it. There is no other way. If you're trusting in anything but Jesus Christ for salvation, you're trusting in the wrong thing. Say, oh, well, I'll trust my way, you trust yours, and we'll just all coexist together. There's one way in. If you don't go in with Jesus, you're not going in. There's only one way. And Christian, He's brought us together. Let's not be fighting with one another. We're one in Christ. That's what the Bible says. And if you don't like the way that sounds, you can take that up with the Lord because it's what the Bible says here. And sometimes as Baptists, we don't like talking about that real deep. But it's what the Bible says we're one in Christ. Get along with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, um, husbands and wives, yeah, you should get along. Unity. Be unity in our homes. For unity between young people and their parents. And most of the time, the young people just need to get right and do what their parents tell them to do. Yeah. Unity. Imagine what we could do We all got unified together and quit fighting over small little differences and really did something for the Lord. We will never be, until we come to the place of unity and mark this down, we'll always be less than what Jesus saved us to be. If there's, this morning, if there's not peace between you and God Jesus is here to take care of that for you you're here and there's not peace between you and another fellow brother or sister in Christ, Jesus paved the way so that we could have peace. Get that fixed. Get that right. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had this morning in your word. And I thank you for your faithfulness.